Hello and welcome to The Slow Reader, a podcast about books. My name is Steve and uh, I'm joining you six months from the last episode. Um, I'm going to be talking about the novel The Last Oracle today. No, not The Last Oracle, The Last Odyssey. Uh, It's by James Rollins. He had a book called The Last Oracle. Uh, I read that many years in the past. I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I... Uh, the last episode, I finished. Uh, I finished uh, "Flow My Tears." The policeman said uh, when I podcasted with Josh Wettenkamp. That was a fun episode, and uh, if you want to go back and listen to it, I highly recommend it. Uh, it was great to read that book and have a discussion with Josh. And I hope to do uh, to do that again on his podcast. We haven't uh, picked a book. That's mostly because I have a pretty hectic schedule until after the end of September. Uh, getting married and all. But uh, today I thought I would pick a single book to talk about. I have read quite a few books in the last six months since that episode, uh, but uh, I I kind of wanted to catch up a little bit. So this is one of the most recent books that I read. And as I mentioned, it's called The Last Odyssey by author James Rollins. And the reason I picked this book is because many years ago, I can't remember exactly when, I read a James Rollins novel, uh, two of them, in fact. One of them was The Last Oracle, and unfortunately, I can't remember what the other book was, but I remember liking it when I read it way back when. Um, it was, I think it was gifted to me by um, by one of uh, my partner's aunts. Um, I got two of them for Christmas one year, and, and I yeah, I recall liking them, and I kind of wanted to see if I still liked... James Rollins' writing style or see if he's putting out the same level of work that I remember. So um, at the time that I picked this up, it was the most recent novel in his uh, in his series of books, which is, uh, as I pull up the info here, I believe it's, uh, it's called the uh, Sigma Force series of novel. This is number 15. It was originally published in August 2020. And the edition I read was the Mass Market Paperback published. No, okay, I've got this backwards. Uh, I should plan this out in advance, but I didn't. Uh, So the Mass Market Paperback was published in August 2020, but the first edition came out March 24th, 2020. I think that another book or two may have come out since then, but uh, this was, at the time, the most recent uh, novel that I, I could look up. Um. So I, I thought I'd start with a little bit of a bio from James Rollins. I got, I'm getting this from the book flap at the back. So here we go. James Rollins is the number one New York Times best-selling author of international thrillers that have been translated into more than 40 languages. His Sigma series has been lauded as one of the top crowd pleasers, uh, New York Times, and one of the hottest summer reads according to People magazine. In each novel, acclaimed for its originality, Rollins unveils unseen worlds, scientific breakthroughs, and historical secrets, and he does it all at breakneck speed and with stunning insight. He lives in the Sierra Nevada mountains. So uh, that might give you a little bit of an idea of the type of novel this is. So here's a summary uh, from the back of the cover, and I know a lot of people don't like the back cover uh, summaries, but this is the best way that I can describe it because there's a lot of things happening. And even though I have some notes in front of me, um, it's not exactly fresh in my head. So the this back of the co- the back cover of the book does a very good job 
of establishing what it's about. For eons, the city of Troy, whose legendary fall is detailed in Homer's Iliad, was believed to be myth until archaeologists in the 19th century uncovered its ancient walls buried beneath the sands. If Troy was real, how much of Homer's twin tales of gods and monsters, curses and miracles, the Iliad and the Odyssey, could also be true and awaiting discovery? In the frozen tundra of Greenland, a group of modern-day researchers stumble on a shocking find, a medieval ship buried a half a mile below the ice. The ship's hold contains a collection of artifacts, tools of war, dating back to the Bronze Age. Inside the captain's cabin is a clockwork gold map and an intricate silver astrolabe embedded in it. Once activated, the moving map traces the path of Odysseus's famous ship as it sailed away from Troy. But the, the route detours as the map opens to reveal a fiery river leading to a hidden realm underneath the Mediterranean Sea, the subterranean world of Tartarus, the Greek name for hell. When word of Tartarus spreads, the phantasmagoric horrors found in Homer's tale, tales are all too real, and whoever possesses them can use their awesome power to control the future of humanity. Now, to prevent a tyrant from igniting a global war, Sigma Force must cross the very gates of hell. Um, so, you know, in retrospect, that actually gives away a lot of the novel, because some of that doesn't come until, I don't know, a third into the novel, maybe... Maybe it gives away a little bit, but uh, I will tell you that the uh, the tyrant is actually a group of people who are trying to bring about the end of the world, and it, they're all of different religions, so they all have different beliefs of how the world will end, and they all have their own agendas. Um, you know, very uh, mustache-twirling villains in this book, and some of the turns you, that uh, are supposed to be surprises, they kind of feel a little bit telegraphed, so... There's that. But overall, um, I thought it was a fun book. And that's all I'll say about it uh, in in that light. But um, I did write up a review on Goodreads. And uh, my review is pretty short one. I gave it three out of five stars. And this is what I said on Goodreads. I enjoyed this, though I felt the writing relied too much on cliches in the dialogue and poor jokes. Uh, that's my opinion. Poor jokes, in my opinion, I mean. Uh, the pacing was perfect and was a lot of fun to read. This is probably going to be shelved under spy thriller shelves, but I think it's really an adventure novel worthy of Indiana Jones or Benjamin Gates. Uh, if you don't recognize the last name, that's uh, National Treasure uh, is Benjamin Gates, the Nicolas Cage movies. Um, so, yeah, I... Like I said, it's not very well written. Uh, there are some lines where, um, like, a, yeah, cliche. Um, and uh, I mean, like, there was one character that was that was supposed to be a little bit uh, dumb, and I don't know. I felt like he was written a bit too dumb. Like he was this big hulking guy who was there for muscle, and and that's pretty much it. And then. You know that's that's all he offers, and he's he is very self-deprecating. Doesn't think himself as very bright, but uh, the inner monologue that you get is just I don't know. It's it's very stereotypical is the is the best way I can describe it. But there's other things in there where like uh, you know there it's it's just weird. Um, so there's there's one thing in here uh, early in the book. I don't know what the page number was. Uh, but uh, there's a quote here. 
she read the date at the top, Jumada Al-Tani 22-248. The year 248 had to be based on the Arabic calendar, known as the Hijri calendar. She converted it in her head to modern numbering and came up with 862. Um, so that's some really good conversion skills off the top of your head. I mean, this is supposed to be an archaeologist that's doing this, but I really feel like even off the that's that's really hard to do off the top of your head. I, I thought, you know, maybe uh, notepad, a calculator, but apparently this person can uh, can do it off the top of her head. Um, and then there's some weird, weird writing um, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. So in on page 307, um, so I guess that's just about halfway through the book. They're on this cruise ship because they're they're trying to get away from uh, from an attack. And uh, uh, it, there's one line on 307 says, Gray stood naked on the suite's private balcony. So like he's uh, hanging out with his wife. They're both on this mission together. And then later in on page 309, um, still, Gray rotated with Seishan to keep watch during the night. So what I gathered from reading that was that he was on watch because uh, the novel did describe it as happening at night. So it got me wondering, like, is he keeping watch naked? That doesn't seem to be a very efficient uh, way to keep watch, especially if you need to like be get uh, ready on a moment's notice to defend your position or whatever. Very weird. Um, and uh, I, I mentioned the villains being mustache twirling. Um, so the villains in this book have delusions of paradise returning to Earth after unleashing Armageddon. Um, so very classic, will do anything to achieve their goal, adventurous thriller character. Um, and then other characters that joined this group as villains were very much in the same mindset. So, um, you know, typical adventure movie villains. Uh, I, I think that worked for the story. It's just, um, yeah, the writing was not good. Um, one quote I particularly enjoyed, and this is completely out of context, um, the quote itself is stupid Da Vinci. It's one of the characters thinking that. And I just I just thought it was funny. And I don't think it was supposed to be funny in that way, but it was to me. Um, let's see. Oh, this was a weird one that I came across. Um, this So this was published in 2020. So this must have been written sometime in 2019. So let's keep that in mind. Um, so page t- 329 who cling to their own version of the apocalypse, whether it be something current the, uh, like climate change or a global pandemic or something that in the future revolving around the end of the universe. Um, yeah, so weird that he wrote down a global pandemic. I don't know when in 2019 this would have been written. written. So if this was published in March 2020... I would guess the early half of 2019, maybe even 2018, depending on how fast this guy writes and gets things edited and revised. Uh, but uh, that is that is quite the the prescient mention. It's funny how things like that pop up in pop pop culture. Um, other than that, like I mentioned in my review, this is really well paced. Um, it's it's a 500 plus page book, so. Uh, you'd think that it would take a long time to get through, but uh, Rollins split up the chapters into some of them were longer than the others. Some of them were nice and short, but it's the kind of book that keeps you turning the pages to keep finding out what happens 
in the you know what happens next that kind of thing um and he divided the book into parts um and it seems like a, a, a major twist in the story is what signifies the end of one part and the beginning of a new part and he's got these quotes at each part that seem to deal with uh different things related to the homer homeric uh myths and whatnot um trying to find an example here but uh i didn't note down all the page numbers of the of the different parts but uh i guess well here is the first part um Oh, I'm I'm still flipping through my pages. I'm I'm doing this. I haven't done this in a very long time, so you can tell I'm a, a bit rusty. Okay, so part, the first part he just labels it first, uh, and he writes the Storm Atlas, and he has a quote from uh, Amru bin Al As, the Arab conqueror of Egypt, 640 A.D. The sea is boundless. The sea is a boundless expanse whereupon, whereon great ships look like tiny specks, not but the heavens above and the waters beneath. When calm, the sailor's heart is broken. When tempestuous, his sense is real. Trust it, litter, li- <laughs> trust it little, fear it much. Man at sea is but a worm on a bit of wood, now engulfed, now scared to death. Uh, so that's the kind of quote he includes like from all sorts of different sources. Um... I don't know. That's just to give you a quick idea. And I think there are six parts to this novel uh, from what I remember. And um, there's, sorry, you can hear me flipping through the pages. Um, there's like 40 chapters plus an epilogue. So it's, it's, uh, it seems like it's a long book on the surface, but it's really not. It's a very quick read. One of the cool things in this book, and I imagine they look even better in the hardcover edition, is that there are pictures included of some of the things they're describing. And I think that these are pictures from actual historic documents because there's significant uh, pieces in the book where Rollins writes uh, how he did his research and wrote the novel. So a lot of it is based on actual uh, books that he's read uh, and did some research on. Um, and a few of them I actually wrote down as uh, recommendations to read, you know, when I get to it eventually. But uh, I thought it was really cool that he included that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I really appreciated that. Um, yeah. So if you're just looking for a quick read, something that won't take you very much time and, uh, and you're looking for something like an adventure and thriller, this one is pretty good. I think there are probably some sections of the book that you could just skip through and not miss anything um it it's kind of in that way uh in the adventure serial uh sort of thing you could probably catch up pretty quick because i think some things are summarized as they come back to it but uh yeah it's it's a very quick read i can't remember how long it took me to finish less than a month i would say but uh, uh, it's, uh, it's something, three stars, I think that's a pretty solid recommendation for that. Um, other than that, I've got the, the next episode I plan on bringing to you, I'm going to talk about Will Wheaton's Still Just a Geek, which is his annotated version of his memoir, Just a Geek. I At the time that I was putting this episode together, I was still reading it, but uh, I finished that one in like three no, maybe two weeks. I loan. I got it on loan from the library, and and I breezed through it 
pretty much because I, I didn't want to uh, have to renew it or uh, or not finish it before it was due back at the library. So I, I got it back to the library, I think, within two weeks of uh, or of it being due. I think I finished the whole thing in like a week. And it's a really massive textbook-like thing. Um, but it, uh, it took me it – t- I'll, I'll talk about it more later. But it, at first, it took me a while to get into it. But once I did – um, I, I breathe through it pretty easily. So, uh, that one I'll talk about in the next episode when I get around to recording that. But then after I will probably do just one big summary episode where I, uh, where I'll talk about a lot of the books that I read between, uh, The Last Odyssey and Flow My Tears, The Policeman's Head. Cause there's quite a few. I just, uh, I just, I, I had too many to talk about and I didn't want to, uh, you know, short change uh, the podcast on on some of the notes because I still have to put some things together to to properly talk about them. But yeah, that's the next book. Still just a geek. Um, I don't have anything I'm currently reading right now. I I have to find something that uh, is probably a short read. Um, there's lots on my shelf to choose from, and I I think though I'm not going to start anything until after my wedding, which is in a just a few short weeks in, at the end of September. Um, but uh, I am currently reading Dracula by Bram Stoker. I'm reading that in quote-unquote real time. I first started reading it via email only uh, because uh, there's this newsletter called Dracula Daily that sends you um, on the on the day that the letters and diary entries are written in Dracula, which is that's how it's written if you're not familiar with it. It's not like a... A prose novel. It's written as diary entries and journals and whatnot. Um, it's given to you on the day that these things are written. And I eventually decided to buy the book myself. And I've got like a billion bookmarks all over the book because it doesn't go in chronolo- chronological order. It's kind of all jumbled together. So uh, it's interesting to read it in that way. And I think it's, I think it finishes sometime in November. So I I probably will have a review of that in in November or December. I it's it's a different way of reading it. That's that's one thing I'll I'll say that much. Um I think I would probably want to read it from cover to cover to give a proper comparison to see how I like the book, but uh I so far it's been a fun read and uh, and I'll get to that in a little bit. I've tried reading Dracula before, but I just couldn't get into it, but I was much younger and and uh, hadn't read as much way back when I tried to read it. And the only other thing is uh, there was a book that Josh Wettenkamp recommended to me in the last episode. Uh, it was uh, uh, Caves of Steel by As- Isaac Asimov. And I wound up getting two copies of this book. Uh, I, I was looking for it in thrift shops a lot, and eventually I ended up buying a copy. I had a gift card for uh, one of the major bookstores in Canada. So I ended up buying that to uh, to use up the gift card. And then recently in a thrift shop, I found an older copy of the book. And so now I, ha- I, ha- I had to buy it because the cover was pretty interesting. And I have two copies of Caves of Steel by Isaac Asimov. So I'm not sure if I'm going to keep both or, you know, I'll probably keep the older version or if, uh, if I'll get one, give one away somehow. But, uh, that's, 
I hope I can get to one of those uh, this year. But if not, I'll get to it next year for sure. Um, and yeah, other than that, I have no idea what I'm doing next in terms of reading. But uh, I hope to get back to recording another episode of The Slow Reader sometime in October. So thank you for listening. If you have any book recommendations, please send them my way. I'm on Twitter at Stephen underscore G. I can't promise that I will read it for the podcast, but I can promise that I will add it to my recommendations list on Goodreads. And if you're interested in following me on Goodreads, I will have a link in the show notes. So thanks once again for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>